What up? This is Dart Adams. This is episode 58 of Dart Against Humanity. Today's episode is a topic near and dear to my heart. As many of you know, I don't really sleep. My brain is constantly working. It never shuts off. There's no off switch. So you're probably wondering, what type of things keep Dart Adams up at night? What are the type of things he ponders? Well, I uh, gave everybody some insight into what one of those things are a couple of nights ago on Twitter. I do things like I go through classic albums and then I separate them into two categories. Ones that are almost perfectly or are perfectly sequenced. And then there's the second category. Ones that are sequenced in a way where you could resequence the album and make it either as good or possibly better, which <laughs> makes my head spin. Because if the album could be sequenced better, how come nobody involved with the album, the creation process, thought to do it themselves? Perfect example. Uh, my two leading case studies were both released in early 1985. I believe one album was released uh, February 15th, 1985, and the next one was released uh, February 25th, 1985, and they're two of the biggest albums of the 80s. Uh, the first album being Phil Collins' No Jacket Required, Phil Collins of Genesis, and the second album being Tears for Fears' Songs from the Big Chair. These songs stick out in my memory for several reasons. One, they were two of the biggest albums of the 80s. Uh, two, these songs both had, these albums both had songs that were big on black radio. Uh, they also were big on the video channels. Now, mind you, we didn't get MTV. Almost nobody had cable, but there were video shows that came on regular TV. Between 1984-85. And these albums contained many of those videos. But another reason why I picked these two albums. Because they're so iconic and they stick out in my memory. Is because they both have the same flaw. It's not fatal. But it's a big flaw. In, 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 in my eyes. They lead off. With the wrong song. Now typically when you put out an album. You want to lead with a song that you know grabs people's attention. Some people will call this a banger. That term didn't necessarily exist in 1985. But the idea is still there. So what does Phil Collins do? He leads off his album with Susudio. Which might arguably be the jam from this record. So you're probably thinking, what's the big deal leading off with Susudio? Susudio, that's the perfect song to lead off the album. No, it isn't. Because the second song on the album to follow it is Only You and I Know, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Then it goes a long, long way to go 
then I don't want to know, and then ends with no, one more night. You're taking us on a ride here, bro. This is the first side. You're fucking it up. Don't do this to us. I maintain that there's a better way to sequence this album. Do not start off with a studio. If anything, you want to have only you and I know, and I don't want to know back to back. One more night should be preceded by long, long way to go. Okay. You can stick Susudio in between those. So you can have only you and I know long way to go Susudio. Then I don't want then then um long way to go. Then one more night. So you have the two slower songs at the end of side A. And then you can rearrange side B however you want. That's how that should work. Now, when we look at songs from the big chair, they make the same mistake. Where they lead off with the banger. Shout. No. No, 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 no. Shout should not be the first song on this album. Now, when you think about everybody wants to rule the world leading into mother's talk. And then opening, I believe, this B-side opening with I believe. You're like, mm. so the album closes with listen, which kind of makes sense. But you could close the album with mother's talk, too. So what I'm saying is there are eight songs on this album, but you can actually resequence this album in several ways and it still be as good an album, if not better. It's insane. Usually an album that's a classic, there's usually really no space for mistakes, if you could call them that. You have to pretty much execute everything perfectly. So I'll contrast this with two albums that always talk about almost perfect in terms of sequencing. That's Janet Jackson's Control and Anita Baker's Rapture. These albums are so perfectly sequenced that if you change the order of the songs on side A or side B... It's a different album and you'd kind of fuck up the flow. You you'd make somebody uh, suspend belief like you shouldn't do it. It's, 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 it's an insane thought. When you look at Jan Jackson's control, right? The album has nine songs on it. Now, of these nine songs, I believe. Almost all of them were singles. I think seven, they ended up being seven singles. Six in the in North America, I believe there was another one internationally. So that's bananas. So we're looking at Control, Nasty, what have you done for me lately, and you can be mine. Okay? What do you change on side A? Do you move Nasty? No. Leading off the album with Control, in this case... Makes sense. 
The lead single is What Have You Done For Me Lately. You put that at, you slot that at three. Why does that work? Because you have You Can Be Mine after it. The pleasure principle leads into When I Think Of You. Back to back, this is perfect. Now, you have a song like He Doesn't Even Know I'm Alive, right? Where do you slot that? Well, if you have a song like Let's Wait a While, you stick that at eight and you slot He Doesn't Know I'm, He Doesn't Even Know I'm Alive right before it. And you end the album perfectly with Funny How Time Flies. I've said this a million times. There's a reason. It's not a coincidence. It's not by accident. There's a reason why so many people who just got equipment and started making beats flip. Janet Jackson's Funny How Time Flies. They almost did it as an exercise. And I believe that it's psychological. I believe that's embedded in your brain. The reason why you do it is because the very last song you hear on side B is this Funny How Time Flies. And that's the perfect way to close out this album. And people spent a lot of time listening to this song and falling deep into it and pondering it. Thus... It always comes up, hey, that's a song I should flip. Everything about that song just sticks out in your memory. And this album is sequenced perfectly. I wouldn't change a damn thing about this record, okay? I would not. Now, let's look at Anita Baker's Rapture. Anita Baker did something that... Boggles my mind to this day. Between 1986 and 1988, Anita Baker went 16 for 16. So Janet Jackson releases Control in February 1986. Anita Baker's Rapture is released right after it. Not the week after, but like right after. Um... We look at her album, it opens up with Sweet Love. Which was also, I believe, the first single. You Bring Me Joy follows it. Caught Up in the Rapture. Been So Long. Closes Side A. Side B opens with Mystery. No One in the World. Same Old Love. And then the last song is Watch Your Step. I wouldn't sequence... Side A or side B differently. Given those eight songs, that's how you sequence the album. One of the best albums of the 80s. Janet Jackson's Control, Anita Baker's Rapture. We used to joke back in the days during the crack era that every time you broke into a car, you either saw Janet Jackson's Control, Anita Baker's Rapture, or both in the car. That was a joke, but it was also true. Now, when you look at two albums as tightly sequenced as these are, and Nita Baker's album of the eight songs, I believe four were singles, half the album singles. Mind blowing. This album sold like Hot cakes made of crack batter. Okay? 
then again, so did Jane Jackson's control. Now, the difference being is these two women made damn near flawlessly executed sequenced albums. However, Phil and Tears for Fears were like, we could put anything anywhere and it's still hot. How sway. Now, this also brings up another uh, another question I had. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with uh, New Shoes, their third album, which was their breakout album, Poolside. Um, another classic album from 1986. Now, the thing about Poolside is that it has eight songs on it, and it's sequenced well, but you could sequence it differently. That's the thing. This album could be sequenced differently, and it still work. It still slap just as hard. Lost Your Number opens the album. I don't mind that. I Can't Wait being the second song on the album. Totally cool with that. Here's the thing. In this particular instance, you could start the album with I Can't Wait. You could open Poolside with I Can't Wait. Then you could go into Lost Your Number. Don't Let Me Be The One could still um, be third. Going Through The Motions could close out Side A. Now, You Put Me In A Trance is one of the most slept on songs of the 80s. It doesn't necessarily have to lead off Side B. But it works because you have point and no return. And you don't want to finish the album with point and no return. And here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to lead off the album with I Can't Wait and lead off Side B with point and no return. You could and it would work, but you don't want to do it. That's why I Can't Wait 2 and point and no return 6. Second song on side A, second song on side B. Secret message and don't you be afraid, right? You could swap secret message for point and no return. You could actually probably switch and you could put point and no return to lead off side A and you could put you put me in a trance last. You could finish the album with that. That's how insane it is. When I look at New Shoes Poolside, I'm like, yo, you could really switch stuff out because it's not necessarily about the flow of one, two, three, four songs. You just need this back to back. You need this song back to back. You need this song back to back. And then you need the come down song because you're dealing with shorter albums. With longer albums, you need to have a, a flow. You need to get from here, 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 here to here. And it just blows my mind how you can have a classic album and, yo, you could have sequenced this shit completely different. Uh, the modern, <laughs> The modern kings of this phenomenon, in my personal opinion, Jodeci. Jodeci's the show, the after party, the hotel, what have you. That album could be sequenced differently a number of ways. A number of ways. Like, I'll walk you through it right now. The show, the after party, the hotel. 
It's sad to think next year, next summer, is going to be the 25th anniversary of this album. This album dropped right after I graduated high school. Get on up. So, when you... Jesus Christ, it's 22 tracks. My brain's gonna explode. Because there's so many uh, interludes. I understand they put the interludes in to, to tell this narrative. But fam. Why do I even fucking begin with this? You got Bring On The Funk. Fun Tonight. Some more. Get On Up. Can We Flow. Get On Up and Can We Flow back to back. Works. Does it have to work at the end of side B, side A? Not necessarily. Let's do it all. Could be any number of places. Freaking you doesn't have to be halfway through side B. It doesn't. You could quite literally, I'm looking at this record, you could quite literally take Love You For Life and move it and move it up. You could take Freaking You and move it down. You could take Pump It Back and put it on side A. You could move Get On Up to side B. You could move Can We Flow to side A. You could put some more anywhere. This album has no fucking rhyme or reason. The reason why people love this album is because they love the album. The sequencing on this record does not make sense. The only reason the sequencing makes sense to you is because you heard it with the interludes. If you remove the fucking interludes, I promise you, if you remove the interludes and listen to the show, the after party, the hotel without the interludes and just listen to the album in sequence with the songs, you're like, what? Think about this. We're dealing with 22 tracks. How many are actually songs? Hmm? How many of these 22 tracks are actually songs? There are only three singles from this album. Technically, we're looking at one, two, three, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, maybe twelve. I'll say we, we fuck with Fallen. Out of 22 tracks, maybe there's like 12 songs. Maybe 13 if you stretch it. You could sequence this shit so many different ways. You could put time and place anywhere on this record you can't lead you don't want to lead off the album with it what would you lead off the album with bring on the funk you want to lead up bring on the funk isn't necessarily the greatest choice to lead off this album 
You just people just like it because they like it. They heard it. They're used to it. I had this discussion with Jean Grey before about how Jodeci just gave no fucks about album sequencing and it didn't matter. And the thing is that when you find somebody who you can actually talk to about these things like, yo, this that bothers you, too. It's almost like y'all fucking aliens. Um, Diary of a Mad Band is another discussion entirely we're not we're not even gonna go there um it's it's another story entirely but the 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 show the after party the hotel especially gets me like why why would you do this why do this now let's talk about an album that if you were to resequence it why would you do this uh i think a perfect example of an album sequencing that why would you even mess with it? And it's a long album. Is Pete Rock and CL Smooth's Mech and the Soul Brother. 18 songs. Long songs. The joke used to be that you could leave, you could listen to Pete Rock and CL Smooth's album, leave the car, come back in, and it's still on side A. So. We got Return of the Mecca, For Pete's Sake, Ghettos of the Mind, Lots of Lovin', Act Like You Know, Straighten It Out, Soul Brother Number One, The Wig Out, Anger in the Nation. Then we got the B-side, I believe, They Reminisce Over You, on and on. It's like that. Can't front on me. The Basement. If it ain't rough, it ain't right. And then finishes with skins. Perfect song to finish the album on. What other song you gonna finish the album on? You gonna finish the album with the basement? No. You can't finish the album with it's like that. They reminisce over you is the perfect song to open the second side. Perfect song to open side B. Anger in the Nation is the perfect song to end side A with. And you and before it, you give us the wig out. So brother number one, after straighten it out, you want to put lots of love in or in the like right there, either in the middle of the first side or towards the end of it. You want to get. And the thing is that you put it right after ghettos of the mind. You give us return to Mecca for Pete's sake, ghettos of the mind. And then you give us lots of love in, and then you finish it up with act like, you know, and then straighten it out. So brother number one. The wig out and then anger in the nation. When you look at these 18 songs, you're not like, that doesn't need to be there. That doesn't enter your fucking mind. It just doesn't. You just appreciate what you heard. And it's not like with the Jodeci album where you only like these songs in this order because you were presented these songs in these order. And at no point were you like, that doesn't make sense. They don't need to put in interludes in order to create a narrative to cover up the fact that this album sequencing doesn't make sense. It just works. And then we have the main ingredient, which 
I feel like is a more complete album than Mech and the Soul Brother, which is insane to say because Mech and the Soul Brother is damn near a perfect album. The main ingredient opens with In the House. You'd be hard-pressed to find an album that opens more impressively than in than this one does. Doom, 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 doom. I hate when I do that. It's funny because it's like I kind of lose myself when I do it, and I'm like wondering what the person who's listening. Maybe y'all like that shit. Some of y'all are like, well, you cut that out, but I know for the most part. Anyways, Carmel City. You want to put Carmel City early in the album. And the thing about Carmel City is that it's followed by I Get Physical. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm pounding the table. I Get Physical. Easily one of my favorite rap songs from 1994. Then it it falls by Sun Won't Come Out. And then it goes into the single I Gotta Love. So you got you gave me Carmel City at number two. You give me I Gotta Love at five. Then you gonna give me Escape. Escapism. It the house. my house. After I Gotta Love. Then you give me the main ingredient right after. Worldwide. All the places. Tell me how you feel. Take you there. Jesus. C-L, what you want to do? Then you got searching, then check it out. Check it out. Check it out. In the flesh, I'll be damned. In the flesh. Then we got It's On You. Right after In the Flesh. What are you doing to us? And we finished the album with Get On The Mic. You're going to give me in the flesh, then it's on you, and then get on the mic to finish the album? Damn. Damn, son. So when I look at Mecca and the Soul Brother and the main ingredient, we get 34 tracks. Both these albums are damn near perfectly sequenced. I can't tell you that I would swap out. You could possibly, I, but Why? Because I'm thinking of the flow of side A and the flow of side B. What would you move? Seriously, what would you move? What would you move that would make a better album or a better flow? These are thoughts that I don't have in regards to these albums. However, there are other albums that I listen to and I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. Why do that? Why why didn't you move this song here? And then what you do is in your head you do it. Okay, perfect example of a classic album that I think that I have issue with the sequencing. And this might uh surprise some of you. Not me. It'll surprise some of y'all. Um Purple Rain. Now I believe I remember that I, I believe that I've um mentioned this before, but Yes, I consider Purple Rain a classic album, but I really associate, I think I did mention this before in the podcast, I associate this film more, I mean, I associate this soundtrack more with the film. 
This is not a Prince album that I listen to independently. I just don't. I listen to it either after or an accompaniment of the film. So we open with Let's Go Crazy. Again, mentioned it. Makes perfect sense. Here's where they... This, this is my issue with fucking Purple Rain. The second song on the album is Take Me With You. Why? Why? We don't need Take Me With You here. Matter of fact, we don't need Take Me With You on side A at all. Listen, listen, listen. I say open the album with Let's Go Crazy. Go directly into The Beautiful Ones. Give me Computer Blue and Darling Nikki. You know what finishes off side A? When doves cry. Now. If you can do a number of things with side B. You can put Take Me With You. At the second song on side B. Or you could lead off side B with Take Me With You. Then go straight into When Doves Cry, I Would Die For You, Baby, I'm a Star in Purple Rain. Or you could lead off When Doves Cry, Give Me, Take Me With You, and then go I Would Die For You, Baby, I'm a Star in Purple Rain. When Doves Cry stays on side A. So... Take me with you, I would die for you. Or I would die for you, take me with you. Baby, I'm a star purple rain. And then I'd go the bonus round. I add 11, I make it 11 songs. So I'm adding Erotic City and 17 Days. Now, if I have those two joints, where am I putting Erotic City? Where am I putting 17 Days? These are the things that keep my ass up. I'll be up at 4 a.m. like, yo, hold on. Wait a minute. Now, how about. Yeah. So. It's just something that always intrigued me as a kid. That, and I believe I mentioned in the previous podcast, one of the things that my younger brother and I love to do is we would go through 45s and we would listen to them and we would be intrigued that they managed to fit entire songs under three minutes. Back in the 60s, you would have a bridge, choruses, sometimes you even have a fucking uh, instrumental break. Guys will play the horn. You get you get the drummer. The drummer give you some, and like yo, how did they do this all in under three minutes? It intrigued us. And another thing that intrigued me, of course, was how do you make an album that's great or considered a classic? But you don't execute every facet of it almost flawlessly. How is that possible? It's still something that boggles the mind to this day. Because, all right, we're talking about Purple Rain, right? 
we skip to around the world in a day. Now, I can't say that I love around the world in the day like I do my favorite Prince albums. But I will say that it has Raspberry Beret and America on. I'm Raspberry Beret and Pop Life on there, which are arguably two of my favorite all-time Prince songs. Um, for me, it's all about Parade and Sign of the Times. It just is. Now, Parade is a longer album, and it's also a soundtrack. This album, in particular, I don't know how familiar you are with um, Parade. It's up there with my my favorite Prince albums. It's up there. You got 1999. You got Parade. You got Sign of the Times. And, you know, we can go into the top five, whatever. But Side A of Parade. Opens with Christopher Tracy's Christopher Tracy's parade, goes into new position, and then right into I Wonder You. Why does this work? Because Christopher Tracy's parade, um, new position, and I Wonder You are all short songs. These three songs clock in at about six minutes together. Then you hit us off halfway through with Under the Cherry Moon, a song under three minutes. Then we get hit with Girls and Boys, which is a song over five minutes. Girls and Boys is longer than the first three songs on the album by itself. Now think about how that psychologically affects the listener. Life Can Be So Nice, which is the second to last song on side A. When you listen to its tone... And its sound and the energy and the tempo. It's already taking you to another space. New position kind of sets you up. I wonder you kind of set you up. Under the Cherry Moon was the come down. Then it hits you with girls and boys. And when girls and boys hit you and it takes you on that ride for five minutes. He takes you right into life can be so nice. Then Then the come down with Venus de Milo which closes out side B. But then he brings you back with mountains. Then Do You Lie. And then you have Kiss. He buries the single. Then you get hit with another lover hole in your head. Just like life can be so nice, the girls and boys hit you. Another lover hole in your head hits you. And then you close out with Sometimes It Snows in April. This is the only way to sequence this album. If you give me those 12 songs and you're like, all right, we got to make a side A and a side B. Do you say, yo, we're going to put six songs on the first side, six songs on the second side? That is something entirely different. The reason Prince made those songs short is so he can do seven and five. So what if we do six and six? 
what are we moving? You still want to open up side B with mountains. What do you do? You take Venus de Milo and do you put it between mountains and do you lie? Do you put mountains? Do you lie? Kiss, then Venus de Milo, then another level hole in your head. Does that work? Or does Venus de Milo work exactly where the fuck it is? So you leave it alone and you and you make it seven and five. The answer is A. You leave the shit alone. Leave Venus de Milo, the last song on side A. And then you open side B with mountains. Go mountains, do you lie? Kiss another level hole in your head. Sometimes it snows in April. That's the damn answer. Now, we only have 12 songs to work with. With Parade. But if we jump to Sign of the Times. Um. Fam. Fam. That jump was four sides of vinyl. Four. Now, Sign of Times. The album opens with Sign of Times. What other song would you pick to open Sign of the Times? Other than Sign of the Times. Don't answer that question. Because there is no answer to that question. Because if you answer it any way other than sign the times, you were an idiot. Now, playing the sunshine. Did that absolutely need to be the second song on the album right after sign the times? Did it? But here's the conundrum. If you don't put playing the sunshine second, what do you follow up sign the times with? Forever in my life? You can't. Forever in my life has to close out the first side of the cassette or the sec or or has to close out side two. You don't want any song other than the ballad of Dorothy Parker being the last song on that first piece of vinyl. That first side A. Ballad Dorothy Parker should be that first side A. On the vinyl. Not necessarily the cassette. Now, I'm talking about vinyl cassette. I'm not talking about CD. <sighs> Fam, um, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I can't imagine first hearing Sign of the Times on CD. Again, it came out in 1987. How fucking rich do you think I was? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. Just like the question earlier about what song do you start signing the times with other than signing the times? The answer is there's I wasn't. Just no, there's no answer. You put playing the sunshine second, because what are you gonna put there? Slow love? You gonna go sign the times slow love? You wanna go sign the times starfish and coffee? You wanna go sign the times it? Is that what you want to do? Is that what you want to do? Do you just want to make enemies early? You're going to open the other side with you got the look. So we go, you got the look. If I was your girlfriend, strange relationship, I could never take the place of your man. Now look at that sequence of four songs. You got the look. If I was your girlfriend, strange relationship, I could never take the place of your man. 
do you, if you take strange relationship and put it right after you got the look and then go, if I was your girlfriend or I could never take the place of your man, that's not going to flow like you got the look. If I was your girlfriend, strange relationship, I could never take the place of your man. You can't go. You got the look. I could never take the place of your man. Strange relationship. If I was your girlfriend. And I'm not saying that because I've heard this album a million times in this format. And this is what I'm used to. I'm saying it because as somebody who's A&R'd, as someone who's sequenced beat tapes and albums, I'm going to turn 44, Jesus Christ, in 17 days. Um, I know this works better. We close out with The Cross. It's going to be a beautiful night in the door. You don't close the album with It's going to be a beautiful night. You don't put it, it's going to be a beautiful night before the cross. The cross is where it's supposed to be. It's a beautiful night where it's going to be. And the album closes with a door. You don't open side B with a door. You don't end the album with I Was Your Girlfriend. You don't take the ballad of Dorothy Parker and put it on side and put it on side B or side B of the second record. You don't do it. It just doesn't work the same way. So when you look at an album like Sign of Times, which I consider, well, everybody should consider a classic, but I consider damn near perfect. I look at this body of work and I don't just look at all oh, the songs on the album that I like. I look at the whole body work and the execution. What that has to do with sequencing. I am fascinated by the idea that sequencing can change an album. When you watch a film, it's all about the editing. What you cut to, the reactions, the coverage, all these things that evoke a response from the viewer. If you edit a scene differently or if the acting is different, it's not going to have the same effect on the viewer. It's not going to get the same emotional response that you would like. You want to engage the viewer or the listener. And I feel that with classic albums, just like classic films, the editing or the um, sequencing affects that. There's, I don't know if there's anybody else who actually like really cares that much about things like this enough to be like, yo, I'm going to study these albums, you know? And yo, if you move this song here, you move this song to side B, move this song to side A, or you don't put this song here, would that change this whole way the album is, the whole way the album sounds? This is something that my brother and I did with albums like, you know, the White Album by the Beatles. Like, yo, I got a question. What? What if we move Sexy Sadie? What? <laughs> so, 
Listen, follow me. Okay. What if we don't put Dear Prudence directly after back in the USSR? What are you talking about? Think about it. What if we move Wild Honey Pie further down? Why the fuck would we do that? Because the al- the, that side has to end. Listen to me. That side has to end with while my guitar gently weeps, weeps into happiness is a warm gun. It has to. Can you imagine if the first side of the White Album didn't finish with While My Guitar Gently Weeps Into Happiness Is A Warm Gun? Can you imagine if Dear Prudence wasn't after back in the USSR? Imagine if you led off the White Album with Dear Prudence. Would you put back in the USSR second, Glass Onion third? Would you put Glass Onion second after Dear Prudence and then put back in in USSR third? Would you put back in USSR before Obladi Oblada? Would you switch Wild Honey Pie in the continuing story of Bungalow Bill? Why would you do that? Do you put black? Do you 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 gonna open up side B? I mean, uh, of the White Album with Blackbird? Or what? Huh? What 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 are we doing? What are we doing? <sighs> Sexy Sadie's going to go before Mother Nature's son. We're not going to finish the album with Good Night. We're going to put Revolution number nine before Revolution number one. It's fucking chaos. What's the matter with you people? So these are the type of things that my brother and I would discuss all the time. You know, go through David Bowie albums, do uh, similar things. And the thing about my brother and I that I loved is that we both didn't like the really early Beatle albums. We were like, I'm bored. I don't like this. It doesn't get good until like Revolver. You know what I'm saying? Like that's when rub like it's either no 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 not not it doesn't get good until Revolver. It doesn't get good until Rubber Soul. But then it goes but then it really gets good after Revolver. That's what it, that's what the discussion was. Because uh, help? No. That's not that's not it, fam. Help's not it, fam. Mm-mm. When you listen to help, you're like, exactly, that's what I want, help. But then you hear rubber soul, you're like, wait, hold on. Wait, wait, there's something here. But then when you get the revolver, why am I making that noise? Um Revolver. Revolver opens with Taxman. Then Eleanor Rigme, then I'm only sleeping. My brother and I would be like, yo, this is what we came here for. That first side. Taxman, Eleanor Rigby, I'm only sleeping. This set up the aesthetic. 
This is how you open an album. This is how you engage the listener. And now you've set a precedent. You set a standard. And now you got to follow through on that shit. This is how I view music. This is how I view art. This is how I approach writing. Everything is everything. These are the things that I feel passionately about. These are the things that I think about late at night, early in the morning. These are the things that I pursue. These are the things that make me want to be better and study my craft. So I never get complacent. So I never fall off. So I remember that I always have to be a student. And I feel like that's the best way to leave this whole thing off. Um, I've just been thinking about a lot of things in terms of my um, legacy after the passing of Ross G. Um, and my upcoming birthday. And the fact that this fall, my niece turns 18, my nephew turns 20, and this month marks the 20th anniversary of me moving into the apartment I live in now. So, you know, everything comes full circle. That might be a good title for this podcast. Watch me not name it that.